0: All right, guys, get your popcorn ready. Uh, about to have a, a brawl here on the podcast, episode seventy-one. Alex Nail, Aaron Babnik, heavyweights in the landscape photography arena. We are here to have a discourse, an intellectual discourse, that is, on post-processing um, in landscape photography. It's a you know it's a topic that comes up all the time and um i don't think it gets its fair shake in terms of an actual great debate that presents both sides in a reasonable fashion well in this podcast episode we bring you that debate from two people that have diametrically opposed views and it was amazing i hope you enjoy this week's podcast is produced by michael howard chris rice eric Stenzland, jack curran and perry shillat Thank you guys so much for producing the show through your support of the podcast on Patreon. I couldn't do it without you. You are awesome. All right, man. I'm so. Ex- I've been so excited for this episode of the podcast. Thank you, uh, Aaron Bobnick and Alex Nail, for joining us for this three way conversation on post processing in landscape photography.
1: No problem. Looking forward to it.
0: Really happy to be here. Cool. All right. So um, the first question, I'm going to have Aaron go first. Uh, I just wanted to uh, give the audience the ability to differentiate between our two guests. Um, So could each of you describe generally and um, quickly how you use post-processing for your personal imagery and what lines would you refuse to cross, if any? how
2: I would define my use of post-processing. To me, it's a large part of, of my art. Um, I use it, um, however, I think fairly conservatively, or should, I should say relatively conservatively compared with what some people do. Um, but I, I embrace it, I teach it. And the only lines that I don't cross are the ones that just don't serve my purposes and telling the stories that I want to tell. But um that said you know i don't do things like outright sky replacements and i don't um, put mountains in front of lakes where they didn't exist i don't feel um compelled to create fantasy worlds but not because i feel that it's a line that i don't want to cross it's just not in alignment with what interests me
0: brilliant
1: and alex uh yeah for me um photography is is a bit more uh, tied into reality that's that's the enjoyment i get from from the medium or a big part of it and so the lines that i have are really uh, related to that so i won't add or remove content unless it's very transient for example a, a vehicle that's parked on a road in in the distance or something like that i might clone that out uh, but otherwise i don't change the actual content of the image um, and I mean, I I generally just approach my processing with the view to keeping the uh, scene as believable and real as possible to the point that I can answer the question, you know, is this photo real and say yes, honestly, to myself, Uh, even though I would say that I edit to an aesthetic that has been established for a long time, thanks to slide films like Velvia and so on. So I do have more saturated imagery than you would uh, purely through uh, the capture process.
0: All right. I like it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to use labels. That's why I wanted to um, have you guys kind of describe your own kind of view on it, because I I think um, what I've noticed in this um, particular um, topic is that people are quick to jump to labeling people as like extreme post-processor Photoshoppers um, or purists. And I think I, I personally view this as more of a continuum and, um, I don't necessarily personally think there's a right or wrong, but I think that everyone kind of falls somewhere in that continuum that's
1: yeah it, it, yeah Sorry. yeah that's that's definitely true matt <laughs> um yeah. I, I, th- I think I uh, think the the biggest problem is uh just uh, talking around these subjects not having a label because I don't want to start calling people photoshoppers or something because they use a particular technique, but um it's also then difficult to to talk around the subjects without those labels so.
0: it is (laughs) all right so my second question and alex um you can go first um why do you feel that this topic is worthy of discussion like why should we even bother having this conversation at all
1: um i i mean i think there's loads of ways of of answering that question um firstly i think that uh debate in art is is a pretty important tenant of it actually uh and, and has existed in art always um you get people debating whether modern art is worthy as art um you know from people from the traditional art world um and and i think these kind of debates are healthy for for all art forms regardless of whether they have a conclusion or not not least because they inform the people who take part in that art and view that art so so that's one side um but as to why why does it matter to me specifically and why do i think it matters to people on on the whole or photographers on the whole um There's, again, a number of reasons, um, but the primary one for me is that photography has this unique power to put people in the footsteps of the photographer. I think that's a unique power of the medium. It's something that no other medium can profess to have because no other medium is a direct translation um, into a 2D form like photography is, um, and, and that above All else is what I would like to protect. And unfortunately, I see that being eroded day by day by day um, through the use of image editing and particularly through dishonest image editing. Uh, And and so that's why this debate really matters to me. Um, And there's also uh, some sides, which I'm sure we'll get into, the, the whole sort of competing on a level playing field and what's the point of going up a mountain if you can, you know, Photoshop a sunset. Into uh, somebody else's view, or whatever. Um, you know, there's there's uh, any number of uh, other reasons.
2: Okay, and Aaron. Um, so the question was. Why have the conversation?
0: yeah, what's why why should we even bother having a conversation about this topic? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, um personally, I think that it's important for um, photography to be accepted as an art form and for art in general to be accepted as important. Um, both of those things have been um, issues throughout history. Um Art is always under fire. It's always viewed with um, uh, a lot of uh, suspicion. And, um, and it's taken very critically in, in some regards. And photography has not really been very accept- well accepted as an art. Um, even in recent years, it's been a, an ongoing struggle to establish its ability to be an art. And these are things that I think are important because to me, art is one of the essential um, features of, of humanity. It's essential to the wellness of humanity. I think it's one of those things that we all need. That that uh, that visual poetry, that open-endedness of communication is absolutely essential to us being healthy on this planet. It's one of those things like nature itself um, that I hold dear. And so I think it's a worthwhile discussion. Awesome.
0: Um, I have a just a quick follow-up to what you just said, Erin. Um so why do you why do you think, or maybe you already know, but uh, why do you think that uh, photography has struggled to um, gain acceptance as an art form?
2: Well, it didn't. Um, it wasn't accepted originally because it was seen as mere um, mechanical uh, replication of things. And early on, uh, in fact, I think this was in the um, oh, it was in England actually. The one of those photographic academies that uh, first sort of examined this idea and decided that um, it didn't qualify because um, it it didn't um, uphold the realm of imagination. And so therefore, it was just, you know, this this mechanical means of, of replicating things. Um, and then in reaction to that, we had movements in photography such as pictorialism um, and other um, strands that uh, tried to make the case that photography could be art and in some ways maybe a little bit misguided and just trying to sort of ape the style of painting and the effects of painting. Um, and in doing so came under fire <laughs> as, um, you know, not not kind of being like the also ram the stepchild of the arts because it was and trying to set itself up in contrast to painting and not doing yeah, a good and, job of it and if,
1: <laughs> I can, if i can just if i can just add to that Aaron, i think another problem that photography has is that it has always been seen as this technical art form um and, and a, a technical art form first and a creative art form second and i think that's that's another problem that it's had
0: really yeah okay how would you um, describe the current state of landscape photography as it relates to post processing?
2: Um, I would say vibrant and exciting. Mm-hmm. There's um, a lot of innovation and, and um, progressive thinking going on in landscape photography these days, which I think is really exciting because of all of the photographic genres, landscape photography is probably, and this might be true of genres in painting as well, it's always been thought of as highly traditional. Um, And photography uh, contests and um, museums tend to kind of turn their noses up at landscape photography. They always have because of all of the genres of photography, it it among them uh, was sort of uh, pegged as being, you know, utterly documentary and mechanical, you know, it's all found material, so to speak. And, um, I think that, uh, that's a large reason why, um, you have things like the, in the MacArthur genius award, and whenever photography ever is, is, um, something that's celebrated, you you see landscape photography really get short shrift.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you, Alex?
1: Uh well, let's let's put the cynical spin on Erin's uh, uh, vibrant and exciting. Then um, <laughs> I, so I, I I kind of see it as um, well the opposite of progressive, as Erin put it. Unfortunately, um, and, and I think that's been driven by social media. Now there are some brilliant people out there doing some some very uh, different things with their images. Um, there's a couple of people in the UK, uh, Doug Chinnery and Valda Bailey, who are combining images in in what I think are very novel and creative. Uh, ways to create abstract imagery, um, and combining that with mixed media to create something completely off the wall and beautiful. Um, and I think that is genuinely progressive. Um, I think the kind of image editing that we might be talking about in this uh, podcast, I would say is highly regressive, uh, populist, uh, overly simplistic, and uh, gra- grandiose, for for want of a better word. Um, I, I see people uh, working in the same direction, not in their own direction. Um, and, and that's what I find a bit disheartening about it all, uh, aside from the fact that um, I, I don't like the way um, uh, people might perceive reality in photography in the context of those heavier edits.
0: Um, and do you have anything to say about that, Erin?
2: <laughs> well, um Yeah, um, just, I mean, to touch on the idea of populism, which is essentially the idea that, you know, it's something that's aimed at ordinary people. um, And ordinary people like these lowest common denominator kind of approaches to things, because they're simple, and they're understandable. And that idea that um, photography gives us this, this sense of this one to one, um correspondence with reality is nice and simple and um that if anything i think is more of a populist idea indeed the 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 Mm. higher um kind of uh levels of the art world what's that i agree with that yeah i would say the higher levels of the art world actually kind of embrace um photography that's more um uh manipulated let's say um for example the um the National Gallery in London held its very first ever major exhibition of photography just in 2012, like six years ago, which is crazy because that gallery was founded in the early 19th century. Um, but they they put that on and it was full of um, photo montages and all kinds of manipulated images, some of which were clearly montage and some of which weren't. Um, so, you know, at least at the higher levels that that sort of thing is taken very seriously. Obviously, if you look at social media and Instagram, that is by its very definition populist. I mean, that's the whole point of it. That's what it's there for—is to reach the, you know, the lowest common denominator, the most number of people. So I don't think social media is a good gauge of what photography is capable of, or what the highest levels of it are actually achieving.
0: Well, and if if I can um, just interject my own interpretation of what I think Alex was trying to say, at least from the way I heard it, is that. I think what he means is uh, the populist um, aspect of it is that he, we're seeing kind of people kind of um, following the same types of post-processing, that they're you know, learning from very, uh, I guess, popular um, YouTube tutorials or paid tutorials from a handful of artists that have perfected certain techniques, um, which are very recognizable. Um, I'm wondering, am I kind of on the right track there, Alex, or did you mean something else?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and the po- populism side, I mean, specifically uh, appealing uh, on social media. I mean, I think that's where a lot of these discussions are, um, and, end up because I, I don't really see um, harm in, in what most people are doing offline nor do i have much exposure to it aside from when i uh, go to to galleries or go shooting with friends who don't post to social media which is a relatively uncommon thing um, amongst my my social groups but I mean I, I think uh, certainly the kind of peers who will be listening into this podcast uh, and have exposure to it by and large will be exposed to a similar range of imagery to um, well the, the three of us uh, and that is that online imagery where you have a lot of people working with similar styles and um, I, I would say largely simplistic ideas when it comes to Uh, enhancing their images um and 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 whilst i say that it's worth mentioning i don't see myself as a saint i mean i i create images that that appeal to the public they appeal to me but they also appeal to the public and i'm not saying that grand mountain landscapes are somehow some clever niche where i'm pushing the art somewhere (laughs) it's never been before um because i i'm obviously not doing that um but i but i do see people um pushing images to greater and greater extremes to draw more and more attention. And there seems to be uh, an environment which encourages that kind of uh, process. And and personally, I don't consider that to be autistic.
2: Nor would I, uh, if if that's the whole goal of it. But anyone who's just is doing that and really wants to be creative is is essentially cheating themselves, not anyone else.
1: So, yeah, I, I mean, I think <laughs> th- I think the problem is though, Erin, that it that it could well be a bit more insidious than that. Um, I, I don't, for one moment, think that people are creating imagery purely to manipulate social media. Um, and, and if I implied that, I didn't mean to. I, I think it's more the environment that that we're set up in. So. We have a a lot of uh, photographers who are creating imagery which might push them to the top of social media that um, imagery gets seen more and people aspire to create those images. And as people then need a greater and greater fix, so we are pushed to greater and greater extremes. So I don't actually think that people are necessarily um, doing this intentionally to, to gain traction online. And certainly, with my own images, I I have to be perfectly honest. I find it difficult sometimes to completely separate separate my own preferences from the preferences of other people.
2: Okay, well, I guess what what I don't understand is, I mean, by for sure, in all uh, genres, any any art form, and music, and anything, there are always going to be, um, you know, people who do things simply because um, they're they feel like other people will like it. Um, mm-hmm. But why that should then, um, I don't know, um, necessitate dictums on what everyone ought to be doing, I don't understand how, how people make that leap. There will always be. No, it, you doesn't,
1: know. it
0: doesn't,
1: it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. ne- it doesn't necessitate um, anything. So I'm, I'm just saying that the um, the popular style of photography will be what people aspire to, just as people aspire to make pop music, to make that analogy. Um, There's nothing wrong with pop music. There's nothing wrong with fantastical imagery. But if that kind of imagery also crosses a line for me in terms of how it might impact people's perception of images that are made in what I would consider to be a straight way, then that's when it starts to become a problem. So I don't don't see a, a problem with creating images that are populist. It's the fact that these most popular images are also in that position through... Uh, a set of processes which, which I think the general public, um, certainly in the UK, wouldn't generally want to see from a photograph. I think they would feel a bit cheated. And again, I'm sure we'll get into that 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 line of questions later. Um, but but it's that side that that I find uh, worrying about it all.
2: Yeah, and I, I guess I just feel as though what you've just touched on is the whole issue of competition, which to me is sort of mm. antithetical to the whole idea of art. So to me, those are two separate issues. Competition and what you hope to achieve with your art um, externally versus internally in your own creative process are two completely different areas. And so I don't really see the connection between those two as being very important. Uh, I do get it's unfortunate that there are going to be uh, more people who like a certain type of imagery that's popular um, always that that's the case and if that then makes someone who's doing more niche work seem uh, like less popular well, that's life
1: <laughs> well no, i mean sp- specifically what i'm what i'm saying is um in a hypothetical case let's say uh software keeps improving as i'm sure it will and uh i go up a mountain on a on a gray day i take a photo i come home i edit in the sunset I've created an amazing photo that's indistinguishable from, from the real thing and to the general public that is often the case. Um, Why, I mean, why, why bother doing it for real? Why bother going back? Why practice the craft that we've worked so hard at? Um, Why learn to compose in the field when you can correct your composition afterwards? uh, the, these things really matter to me because I, I think they're fundamental to what people broadly consider to be photography and um we you know there were, there were discussions recently about the fact uh, I think Guy Tal brought up the idea that actually the problem is the public should be educated well maybe i i don't I don't see it that way at all. Um, I think that the public's enjoyment of photography is is quite a beautiful thing um, that they can believe that an image is real and I would like to protect that as much as I possibly can and that is why popular imagery that I consider to be faked for want of a more complex explanation um, that's why it upsets me
2: oh well I have a lot to say
1: about all of that (laughs) that's good we've got we've still got time Aaron (laughs)
2: You touched on a whole lot of things there. I mean, the idea, um, I mean, obviously both of us are, um, mountaineers as well as photographers. And we, and you said the example of why should you climb up a mountain and, and all the rest of it. Uh, I do that too. I climb up a lot of mountains and it. And I, and I, I have to say, I think of it uh, with a bit of pride that I can do that, but that's my athleticism. Um, nothing else that allows me to do that, and that's the product of me staying in shape and eating well, and 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 all of that. And again, that lies outside um, anything that I might have to to bring intellectually or personally to my own self expression. And so, I think that all stands apart from art making and photography. Furthermore, the idea of photography is having some kind of uh, address to reality or being sort of so connected to it that the audience as Guy Tall's pointed out, um, has some expectations about it, is is a very constructed situation that didn't always exist and won't always exist. It wasn't really until the advent of photojournalism that the expectations of photography really started to get set into that mind, mindset that um, we're, we're being given something that's truthful. And I have said this um, A lot before, and I'll say it again. I think that's actually a very unhealthy direction uh, that we've produced these expectations that what you see in a photograph is real. I think actually does more harm than good most of the time. And so that's why we have things like, um, you know, uh, political propaganda where you have uh, governments being able to manipulate people by showing them photographs that they're just going to believe are real. If, on the other hand, um, we have another prevailing attitude towards photography, which is that it is, um, a, you know, given a, a contextual setting um, is an art form for the most part. Um, people will read it within that context. And then within the political realm, they'll, they'll look at it with a great deal of suspicion. And I think that that actually is a good thing if, if we go in that direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I disagree with that. I I think people will cease to value photography at all, actually. Um, I think it's going to become I mean, if you if you look at how photography is valued now compared to how it was valued, a big part of that has been the increase in number of images that's largely come through improved technologies. And I I think that this kind of uh, image editing will, will only become easier um you know i've i've got the photographer's ephemeris 3d on my phone and i can light up the mountains and cast shadows of other mountains and it's not going to be long until that kind of software is uh is causing a bit of difficulty between telling what's what's real and what's not and before you know photoshop and and lightroom and so on are creating methods for doing a lot of these processing techniques which might seem slightly complex at the moment um Okay, you can create uh, expression through uh, photo manipulation, and, and if we go to an to an extreme photo montaging, you can create beautiful, expressive art, and and I think that's wonderful. I I genuinely have nothing against compositing or photo manipulation. It, it all comes down to this this labeling thing, um, what the public and myself consider to be a photograph, and uh, for me, uh, that that does have some boundaries associated with it, and. I, I can't for the life of me understand why photographers who are so keen for their art to be questioned, to not be seen as real, would not then label their art as into a different category, a photo manipulation.
2: Mhm um well, I mean that's really just a project of ostracism and contra- uh, competition isn't it let's let's stigmatize a certain set of people and then we well, can- <laughs> not,
1: not not at all i i mean for i I think that that would be a progressive way of doing it because i I think you immediately give people the the viewer the opportunity to see the image for what it is as a photo manipulation what you're proposing is is re-educating the public that photos can no longer be trusted and the very aspect that they enjoy they of
2: were photos. able to be trusted <laughs>
1: this is nothing new uh, okay well we can talk about absolute trust and relative trust until the the cows come home i, I think we can all ag- agree though that there's an aspect of both objective and subjective reality to a captured photograph regardless of whether it's an absolute truth in its entirety i mean nothing is an absolute truth or can ever be an absolute truth well
2: i've i brought up these examples before but even you know photography has always been about editing the world and even by your choice of framing, by your choice of lens, um, you can completely alter the impression of anything. So yes, there is a huge difference there between, there's a big continuum, as Matt put it earlier on, between what is um, going to be pure and what is not. But you're, right, you're quite right about the idea of um, labels and uh, and photography's value. And, uh, and unless I've cut you off and you had something more to say, I, I, I can explain what I mean by that or where I'm going with that.
1: No, no, carry on.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this, this is really the crux of the whole thing is how do we define what photography is, what it can do, and how does it stand apart from the other uh, arts? Uh, That's really what I think it all comes down to is that people want to be able to set photography aside and have it be special and have it be something that's in some way, there has to be some kind of boundaries and some kind of purity to it that can be held dear. And I actually just don't see that being in any way historical. It's at best a partial and selective view of the medium's history if you can try to draw boundaries around what photography even is.
1: Can I Um, I just jump mm -hmm. in there and ask, ask why the historical context is important to you at all?
2: Because... What you want to say about photography is that it's always been this way or it's turning into that. And so by even saying that you've already invoked no, history.
1: No, no, I, I really don't want to say that. Um, and if I did, I'm sorry. Um, what I meant to say was that the way people currently view photography, I think is a wonderful thing. They view photographs as being real, and that allows a photograph to transport them. That, that's what I see. It it's, has nothing to do with history, really, um, regardless of whether that has changed in the past. I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring that up myself.
2: Well, and I would say that if you say that there's a certain state of of belief right now, and actually, Guy Tall said the same thing in his article on landscape, This is something that is newly constructed, didn't always exist, and doesn't have to always exist. And and I actually don't even believe that it does exist. In fact, um, a Facebook follower of mine sent me an academic article from the MIT Press just the other day, and uh, I read it recently. And uh the deposits that we're in a post-photographic era that uh the people being um brought up now in this era, the younger generations, um, are actually not of the mindset that photographs tell the truth. Um, because because of this digital era, that's actually not the prevailing idea. So this idea that people do believe this, they want to believe this, is that you're talking about a very like a slim um population of people who have that mindset and were brought up uh, in it.
0: Can I jump in? <laughs> I, I don't know if mm-hmm. um, I totally agree with that. Um, I know that, and just, just based off of this one experience that I constantly have, and that is whenever I have people see my photographs printed um, like at an art gallery or at an art show or whatever, one of the first questions that I always get asked is, is this photoshopped or is this real? And I know the lots and lots of other photographers get that question asked of them a lot. And I, um, I'm I'm reminded of an article from 1994 in the Atlantic where they talk about, uh, Galen Rowell and I'll put the link to it in the liner notes, but, um, Galen Rowell was talking about this photograph he had in his gallery of a grizzly bear. Um, and for the it was hanging up in there and it was actually of a a grizzly bear that was trained to behave a certain way by hollywood um to like growl and look really mean and crazy um and uh when when what he noticed was that when people coming to the gallery uh realized because he would tell them that it was you know it was not a real bear like situation that he ran into in the wild it was you know a trained bear that you know, posed for him for this photo, like he could visibly see that people like were upset by the fact that it wasn't like a real experience or a real um, uh, thing that actually happened. And so I think that there is some sort of expectation on behalf of uh, people that view landscape imagery that at least some part of it is based in reality or real experiences.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I, th- I think that most most viewers um, of photographs do have, you know, we we talk about this of oh, photograph's not real because we choose a portion of a view and we do this, that, and the other. Um, I I think viewers aren't naive; um, they know that they're not literally looking at reality. So that's the first point uh, on on that whole uh, argument line. Um, but they also do have an awareness um, that. Uh, A a photograph, when it's transcribed onto a photographic medium, um, does look different to reality. But that doesn't mean that there isn't an expectation that it fundamentally represents the reality of that scene, even if there are differences.
2: And that's Um, a naive and misguided expectation. But that, and wow. again, to get back to Galen Rowell and the people who are old enough to buy art these days, that's the era that was very much brought up in the golden era of photojournalism. And that's where all of this idea comes from that we should have those expectations about art. It's not a healthy expectation. And so I believe that we should be beginning on a project to train people to expect art to be, to expect, to expect photography to be art and to let go of this idea of purity and connection to reality.
1: Um, so uh, I, you mentioned this earlier, actually. Um, I don't draw a distinction between art, photography and, and processing in the sense that you do. I do believe that a realistic imagery without processing can also be art um, just through the craft of, of using a camera. I agree 100%. Um, OK, because okay, there, there was, I was just inferring that, but um, maybe that, that you weren't making that implication. Um, but... <laughs> You talk about the naivety of the viewer and that we need to correct that. I mean, I think it is naive of a viewer to look at a photoshopped image and believe that it's real. Of of course it is, but almost by definition. Um, Whether that's a problem is is a lot down to the content of the imagery. Certainly in the case of landscape photographs, I see that as as largely harmless. Um, But... Uh, you know, in the case of political imagery, then it's a lot more damaging. So, but, but otherwise, I think that naivety is 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 great, um, and particularly when it's not naivety at all, it's just enjoyment of a photograph that's been taken in a realistic way.
2: Yeah, but it shouldn't. Those two things shouldn't be opposed. You should be able to enjoy a photograph for what it presents, even if it's just a world that's possible. Or well, I or think no you it.
1: should be able to enjoy a photograph for. Whatever reasons you, as the viewer, Absolutely. enjoy a photograph for.
2: Yes, that's true. Um,
1: and uh, but I but I think if you if you swell the market with Im- let, let's say that ninety nine percent of images were just literally created on computer, so no no, no photographic basis whatsoever, um, by my definition of what a photographic basis is, um, and and then just one percent were actual straight photographs. Uh, people obviously then wouldn't believe photographs at all. That would be totally lost. Um, And and really, I'm just advocating that that people should be able to enjoy photographs in that way without having these hyped up images presented to them all the time. I I mean, I'd I'd love to promote to other photographers that you don't need to do these techniques. I mean, you really don't. Unfortunately, it's a lot harder um, if, you know, if, if you don't increase saturation and don't make a sunset more spectacular and so on unfortunately you need to then shoot those one in 20 sunsets that that do have those conditions that you're trying to edit to and that is harder
2: oh, sorry um, well let's go back then let's just take manipulation completely out of it as, with regards to photoshop and anything that happens post-processing mm-hmm. and just look at the simple example that guy tall brought up which i thought was quite good uh of photographing uh, a wild place that's right next to say a big Uh, dump Mm -hmm. or something and framing Mm -hmm. such that you leave out the thing that utterly completely changes the real effect of that place the real essence of that place um you know even something like that we we if we are we're training people to expect that photographs can tell us the truth um that opens up all of these photographs to being believable, whether or not they've been manipulated or not. And, and that, I just believe that it's a far healthier world if people look at a photograph and their first sense is, what is the context of this thing? Is it in a photojournalistic context? Okay, then I'm going to bring a certain mindset to it. I'm going to be highly suspicious uh, because it could be propaganda. It could be wrong. Is it in an artistic context? I'm just going to run with it. I'm just going to enjoy for what it presents.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought that Guy Tal uh, example was quite an interesting one because it, it presented that that argument from from his f- his viewpoint specifically, without looking at it from other sides. And uh, and I think it comes down to how naive you really think the viewer is. I mean, it, okay, uh, if you're a 14 year old child and you see a photograph of Skogafoss in Iceland and you go there, you might not expect that there's a big car park right next to it. But if you're an adult, you you probably do. Um, and and I th- I think even the adult having seen both the photograph and then going to the real destination and seeing the car park wouldn't feel cheated by the photograph. It's just a selection of a view, and that's inherent in the medium. I mean, obviously, a photograph doesn't capture time, motion, a three hundred and sixty degree view, stereoscopic depth. Although
2: increasingly, they as- do. <laughs>
1: Well, well yes and and, and you know I, I think those things are also um, clear to viewers um, to a degree uh, when they're included but I, but I think assuming complete naivety of the viewer is is a little bit excessive
2: well they also won't feel cheated if they don't go to a place expecting that the photographs that they see of it are exactly what it looks like you know I mean even even just like with sure. the banging hun- sunset how often is a person going to show up and see those awesome, miraculous yeah. conditions? Like, not very. So, so um, I think that the idea that uh, people should go with any expectations is something that we need to work on.
1: Well, I, I don't think that people see a sunset and then expect a sunset at 12 in the afternoon when they turn up to Skogafoss. And by the same token, they they wouldn't expect it uh, on any given evening. Again, that comes down to uh, the naivety of the viewer that you're placing on them. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, aside from that, let's, let's say that they, they, you know, actually wanted that kind of amazing sunset. I mean, where, where is the harm in that disappointment? I, I, I don't see it. I, I just see viewers marveling at amazing images at the natural world, at how beautiful our planet is. I think that's, you know, one thing that landscape photographers can achieve that no other medium can Um, or or not with the same um, you know not in as compelling a a manner Um, I would disagree
2: completely to that but that's another
1: well yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean yeah okay yeah (laughs) yeah we can we're going to end up talking about um, how effective painting can be and and so on and and I do understand that but it's it it doesn't have the immediacy of being believable that's that's uh, what I meant to say
0: well, I, I feel like so much of this is ah uh, driven by um what Aaron had said about expectation management because I, I personally am a strong believer in you know the lo- my personal longevity in landscape photography I think is now deeply rooted in expectation management because early on in my career I had these high expectations every time I went out and we all know. Like getting that great light and stuff like that is a lot more uncommon than it is than than it is common. So, um, I guess kind of piggybacking on that, though, like as a as a fellow landscape photographer, uh, and I brought this up on my interview with Michael Shane Bloom, but um, I was highly motivated to go to a specific location. Actually, it was Skogafoss. Now that you mentioned it, Alex, uh, to shoot uh, the Aurora there and um, it was based on a photo i saw of michael shamblooms that was really well done and when i got there i was like this looks absolutely nothing like this photograph and i totally agree like you shouldn't have the expectation that what you see is going to be exactly what you find but it was it was so much different like the mountain was so stretched and the like just the whole scene was just completely different that it was like okay i just wasted i mean not wasted but i i I don't know. Like I spent a lot of time like researching and, and like wanting to go to this place to get a very similar shot in the conditions I knew were going to happen. And then it just like that place didn't exist at all. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I get that. But Michael's project nor and mine or many others is to produce our our project is not to produce pattern books for people not. to go comp stomp things. We're doing other things with our art and, and, and you're quite right. Those are, those expectations are on you. Um, if you believe that um, everything that you're seeing in photographs should be something pretty close to what you can replicate very easily when you just show up, then, I mean, that's on you. I'm um, sure you could, probably could replicate Michael's image just by doing a perspective blend or whatever it was that he might have done or use the edge of the, the lens to stretch the mountain or whatever. I mean, he's, he's working, uh, you know, on aesthetic level at that point. And you could do that as well.
1: So can I can I turn this back on you then, Erin? Um, if so, so Matt's given an example there where you had these expectations, and I'm sure viewers have similar expectations of certain images, and maybe they're disappointed, or maybe they're not, depending on whether the uh, the photograph was quotes real, um, according to to my kind of definition. Um, but but looking at this the other way, you're um, now fighting to educate a public about um, a, a photograph being not real, or, or feel that they should be educated to be sceptical first. If that's the case, why not simply relabel your own work and just say, well, I mean, any any work that it applies to, because I wouldn't by any means suggest that all your work is uh, what I would class as a manipulation. But but for those that are creating manipulations, why not just classify that work as it is or on a case-by-case basis? Why is it so important to use this photography label, which photographers like myself want almost have as a a protected status? Oh, that's
2: a great question. I'm really glad you asked that. Um, There are two parts to my answer. The first would be in the project of labeling and what it really accomplishes. In my view, labeling is really just the use of terms of convenience. It's not doctrine and who gets to draw those lines is a huge matter of debate. Where those lines start and stop and what falls under the the definition of straight photography um you'll not get two people agreeing on that really out of uh, uh, even a small selection of of photographers but but you
1: are you are are able to agree with yourself so you can decide for yourself um not for others but for Mm -hmm. for yourself so um
2: i I guess what you're asking is for one thing as far as the other part of this is going back to the issue of context um, mm-hmm. I make very clear on my website what I'm all about. I have links to all of my articles that describe in detail the post-processing techniques that I teach and uh, use in my own images. I have you know, a statement right there. If anyone wants to know the context of what I'm creating, it's all right there for them. If, on the other hand, what you're saying is that every time I post an image or something like that, I need to include a description of certain things that fall out of bounds for someone like you, no, that's not going to no, happen.
1: No. <laughs> No, no i'm not i'm not i'm not really saying that um i mean the, so the difficulty is that there's there's this uh, massive grey area i mean it grey area doesn't even cover it um <laughs> i you know you you clone a, a leaf out does that then mean it's a photo, a photo manipulation uh, of course it doesn't but i but i still think there's the, there's room here for for people to be more open with with what they're doing um and with presenting their images i mean i i can't remember if i um brought this up with you before because we we had a little exchange which was actually when I suggested to matt that that we have this uh podcast because you were actually engaging which i which was rare. actually really grateful <laughs> really grateful for well no i mean one of the problems with this debate is that it it does get people upset on both sides because you know i'm I'm the bad guy labeling the you know open-minded artist and saying that his work is worthless, and you know they're telling me that I'm a purist, uh, you know, and it just gets into this nasty yes, space. I'm so a, I was, I'm the I was liar
2: and really, the whatever else because I won't just that's, that's tell, right, I, I won't that's, just that's call myself right. my my work um, something other than yeah, photography. Exactly. <laughs> is that it?
1: yes, I mean that's <laughs> that's exactly it. That is exactly it um yeah no there's all these inferences uh that, that come with it that um you know they're, they're not helpful and it's very difficult to discuss it on online for that reason i mean i you know people who write uh descriptions on their website that are completely open i mean i, I understand that i kind of wish that there was some way that the image itself could could have that explanation um yeah, I but i that think that's because... not in...
2: okay go ahead. yeah <laughs> That's actually the second. That was actually part of my part two that I wanted to get into. This the idea of of not only just labeling. First of all, if you could even decide, let's say we could decide the photography is X, (laughs) Um, and that there were some some certain boundaries. Um, And then uh, why can't we just get people to on every time they post an image to 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 discuss or to label or something. Um, their image such that they marks themselves out, and that to me um, is forcing a certain discourse on people uh, that they want to put forward with their image. Everyone has a different story that they want to tell, and it may not be about the factor or the you know the creation the the you know the um, the wizard behind the curtain that may not be what they want to put forward. They may want people to get lost in the image itself, its world of possibilities. Yeah.
1: That it well, let, let me just jump, jump in there, Erin. Because mm-hmm. you're, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Invariably, they don't want to discuss the process. They don't want to discuss the supposed artistry of whatever it is—stretching mountains, dropping in sunsets. Well, um, now we're getting
2: into that uh, nefarious ha- zone. I didn't quite finish what I was saying. What well, you're saying, uh, well, um, what I'm saying okay, is, it's, okay. it's you're you're going to say. If I'm putting words in your mouth, let me know. But yeah, if yeah. I understand you correctly, you feel as though. People don't really have an idea or an emotion or a concept or a story that they hold dear. They they don't really have that.
1: (laughs) Oh no, no. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Not, not at all. No, not at all. No. What what I'm saying is that 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 story um, is is more compelling than telling the story of the editing Uh, the process. Right? Nobody really wants wants to hear that. Um, But invariably, people. Um, will tell the story of the photograph in the context of it being real, which only misleads the viewer further. So on one hand, we talk about educating the viewer on uh, image editing and not to trust an image. And in the other hand, we write a a, a description of the photograph that says... Uh, you know, after six hours waiting out in the rain, the light finally broke on top of this mountain, and we were treated to a fantastic sunset. And then you talk about how you composed the photograph, and, and oh, so that's on. a whole other matter. That's um, just
2: wrong. That's lying, and lying is always wrong.
1: Well, uh, I mean, so in the context that somebody has completely constructed a scene, then that's that's straight lying. Um, but i think the problem here is that there's there's again a grey area so the person may well have been on top of the mountain uh, and the scene may well be material captured from that mountain but manipulated to a point that it doesn't represent the view anymore and yet described in the context as if it did by the people who supposedly are educating the, the public to be less naive
2: <laughs> okay <laughs> would well, you want to talk about every grey area instance I mean we can go on forever because there're going yeah. to be a lot of them, but I would say in general yeah. if you're going to tell a story about your photo um it, it should be something that's true <laughs> uh and and, yeah. and if you're going to tell something about your image that is um, you know something that's more conceptual and um about what you're feeling and all of that that's a whole other matter and it doesn't you're not required to address anything about your image unless You're asked. If someone asks me outright, what all did I do to an image, i will be quite happy to tell them. If someone asks me, was that Milky Way really there? And I I never shoot Milky Way stuff. (laughs) And I say, I see yes when it wasn't. Well, that's a lie. So, I mean, those things are pretty black and white to me and all of that gray area stuff. I agree. uh, You can come up with a different example one minute to the next and we'll all have different answers.
1: Let let me put my slant on this. Um, I I think it's quite noble to say um, as somebody who, who I mean I'm not saying that you are. Again, I'm saying if anybody who manipulates photographs heavily were to say, "Look, I'm I'm doing this and I want to educate the public that they're naive about image manipulation and I want to bring down the whole system of believability. I want people to understand that photographs are never real." Um, fine, I, I have a I have a level of respect for that. Um, but what I see far more regularly is people rooting their images in reality. So what they're doing in is, is effectively cashing in on that believability that people want to marvel at nature, whilst at the same time presenting a fabrication, which is directly misleading and very, very commonplace in the popular landscape photography well, world. Well, that's
2: what fiction is, isn't it? You know, it's, um, it's allowing people to have a willing suspension of disbelief so they can uh, enjoy the story that you're trying to tell and that's
1: not always mm, but bad but the difference is the difference is fictions are generally presented as fictions
0: i've always found that um that it's generally it's generally not the it's generally not the public that gets upset about that so much as it is other photographers who have been out in those conditions or to those locations and recognize the fact that that complete that scene is a complete fabrication and then it's like like it's there's at least for me personally like there's this thing that happens where i'm like you're basic you're full of shit (laughs) you know what i mean like to me it's just like i know that everything you just wrote is bullshit
2: Yeah, I mean, we all see these extreme cases of things that are just kind of like ridiculous or absurd or something. I mean, recently I saw this picture from a place that I go in the Dolomites a lot and someone had stretched this mountain beyond recognition and I thought it just looked ridiculous <laughs> because I know that mountain so well. I mean, I can't even count how many times I've been there, but, but you know to each their own. Uh, uh, some people probably see that and really it made their day. They, they thought that was a really exciting image. Now, if that same person then, um, you know, takes away some expectation that they can go and see this really super pointy mountain. Well, then I would, I would say that um, that's really the, the issue that I would like to address that people just kind of take a step back and say, no, I think I'm just going to enjoy this as art. And if that really looks like that, um, great, <laughs> but, but it doesn't have sorry, to.
0: Sure, sure.
1: But you can see what I'm saying. Just just that, whilst it, it's it's great that you want people to to see photographs in that way, that's generally not what people are doing. They're generally telling the story, um, you know, as if the image is real, so that they're you know relying on the the viewer believing in that image and, and then the photograph becomes more powerful as a result
2: yeah I don't know Alex really do a lot of people do that I, I mean I'm, I can't say that I'm on social media a ton but is it I can't say that it's every day that I see people like telling some story that you know it I don't know what are we talking about yeah, here a-
1: absolutely I mean so, so I'm I, I'm not I'm not talking about some extravagant story of battling the elements <laughs> what are we talking but, about but, but, but I'm No, we're we're talking about almost any photo description that goes with a landscape photograph. Um, It it usually contains some sort of description of the place or a description of the experience of being there. And and you're Uh, saying that they're uh, mostly
2: outright deceptive because there's something about that photo that was in some way manipulated.
1: I'm I'm saying that there's a a level of... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, we're into the, the gray areas thing. But there's there's a there's a level of deception that can happen there. What people are effectively doing is trying to get the viewer, maybe not intentionally, um, but certainly passively, getting the viewer to believe that a photograph is real by painting it as real with the words that they attach to that image. So it doesn't even have to be that you're call, calling it a photograph. If you're saying... I was up a mountain, and this was the amazing view. People will believe that that is the amazing view, regardless of whether it is or isn't.
2: <laughs> okay, I do, I do get what you're going with that. Is that people are trying to construct this, um, uh, this sort of space of believability in order to maximize people's enjoyment of their of their image. Um, and again, I would say that that really is exactly what we get with fiction, with movies. Um, with any with any kind of poetry or anything, is you try to maximize the, um, the address to uh, the, the imagination so that people's imagination really does get sparked and brought into it. Um, now, the extent to which people then take their photo and try to put it in some other category that's not, art and say that it's in some way documentary, it's where you start getting into an area where that's problematic, especially with regards to political propaganda and that sort of thing and, and, and photojournalism and all, and all of that. But if people just kind of look at art or look at uh, landscape photography as art um, and enjoy it on that level that I'm just gonna get, I'm going to get brought into this story and it could be wildly wrong. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's I'm just going to enjoy it as the story as that movie. This is Star Wars today. And tomorrow, it's going to be I don't know, the Princess Bride or whatever it is. Um, I don't think that's such a bad thing, especially if people are coming into it with an expectation of uh, these greater ideas that art is able to express. And the photography's. Just evoking a certain reality that brings an immediacy that just happens to engage viewers especially well.
1: If somebody goes to watch Jurassic Park at the cinema, they they, they do think that you know right. they're there. That's that's the mastery mm-hmm. of filmmaking. But the difference is they don't go to Jurassic Park thinking that it right. is real. Whereas um, if you look at a photograph, your first reaction might be to think that it's real. I mean, even knowing what I do, I choose to believe that a photograph because is because you've been conditioned to believe
2: it. that. And if we condition people not to believe that, it will be in a different situation, won't we?
1: Well, I I, I completely agree. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> but what, what, So uh, lo- lo- looking at this, um, looking at this another way, Aaron. Let's say I say to you, I really value photographs because I believe them. You say to me, I really value photographs because I have complete freedom to create the art that I want. But but do you see how the approach of other people effectively might end my enjoyment or the, the viewers enjoyment who want to see realistic imagery because you are then telling them that they're naive and actually don't yes, trust and anything? Yes.
2: The, the other side of that coin is if you tell people that i that what i'm doing is wrong and it's a lie and it's false and it's fake that's going to limit their enjoyment of what i'm actually not really doing cuz i'm really not that much of a manip- manipulator to be honest but but i'm standing well, up for them because well, i believe in well, it well,
1: <laughs> but, but, okay but, but these people i'm um, creating images that i'm labeling as fake you you a minute ago you were saying that you want people to believe they were fake and now you want me not to tell you no, that No uh, not fake. at all
2: no, 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 no! I'm saying okay, that if what understand. you want to do is uh, say that, well, poor me, people who don't aren't going to like my my photographs as much because they aren't going to value reality, and that's what I have to offer. Mm. I'm saying the other side of that is, well, poor poor those people who are manipulating people aren't going to value their photographs as much, is because you've just established that
0: they're off but, base.
1: That is <laughs> yeah. an interesting conundrum. Well, well no, that, but that but. That, but but actually, I, do, I don't. I don't see it that way, Erin. Because you're, you're promoting uh, the idea that that photographs should be questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I could say, look, value this person because they have edited the image beautifully. It's not real, but it's beautiful. I have no issue with doing that. I, I genuinely don't. My issue isn't with photo manipulation. It's with the erosion of people's expectations towards photography, which you consider naive and I think are great. Well,
2: it's a question of values. You put a value on something that oh. you think of as really, yeah. reality. But, but my- and I think also you have a value on athleticism and some other things, competition and that sort of thing. And quite honestly, I think that all filters into that. Um, whereas I put a value on greater human needs than some connection with this reality, which I don't think photography actually communicates very
0: well. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so I think you hit the nail right on the head, Erin. And um,
1: I th- you're not allowed to use that phrase around me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> um,
1: I feel I feel immediately threatened.
0: <laughs> um, so. I guess for me, Aaron, like photography is an extension of the things that I value. And one of those things is going to these amazing locations and seeing them with my own eyes. And so like when I see an image, uh, especially of a location that I've been to, that's hyper real or hyper fantastical, um, it somehow disconnects me from that Um value that I have of those places. Um, and that's, I think for me intrinsically where I start having conflict.
2: Well, you're, you're quite welcome to have those conflicts. If you, if what you need to see in an image is something that's really close to what you're going to see when you step on the ground there, um, you're entitled to that, that desire. I just don't think that we need to make photography have to uphold, um, Across the board, that is its highest goal. No, I agree. That the thing I, should be agree. most valued by everyone. I,
1: I, I don't. I don't think that should be held as its highest goal either, Erin. And I don't think it is its highest goal at all. Um, I, I think it's one thing that makes photography fairly unique as a medium. Um, but I. But I don't think it's its highest value. I think expression is. Um, I think that's uh, you know difficult to achieve. I think that's a great challenge of photography. Um, but, but it is nevertheless its greatest goal as as any as it should be for any art form um, but but the way I see it is is this um if if I value um creative um sorry not creative re- realistic um imagery, which can also be creative of course, but realistic imagery is what I wanted to discuss, then I don't really uh, affect you because. Uh, the viewer either trusts your image or doesn't trust your image and it doesn't really make that much difference to you. Um, whereas if all the viewers are educated to distrust photographs then it affects the people who are trying to create realistic imagery because they want people to believe in those images because that's how they value photography and the way that this can be resolved is simply by discussing photographs in the light with which they you know with which they were created you know whether they were created as manipulations or not and i'm not expecting that um, every photo should now be labeled as a fin- manipulation because somebody cloned out a leaf. I am hoping that when people edit their images in a more extreme way, when they start stretching mountains like that uh, Trey Shime shot, I think you were yeah, referencing. It's
2: actually Serapis Lake, but yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there we go. It's, it's happening all over the Dolomites. Um, then, you know, I, I would like to see people open about that uh, express why that perhaps they have decided to make the mountains bigger than they were in reality and, and stretch expectations um, but you know I, I, to me it was I still think- an
2: evocation of the place I recognized the place I just thought it looked <laughs> silly to have the mountain look so pointy. Um, But what what you just brought up, that issue of trust, and I think this is really important. We've kind of gone around in circles on this issue, and this whole issue of like disclosure. And it's all embedded in this discourse that sets up this idea of morality and ethics that there's a right and there's a wrong. And the idea basically is to get all these people out on this one limb of the tree, and then let's just saw off that limb as not really being photography. And let's just let it all go. And that way we can sort of, we don't have to compare compete with them they are outside the bounds you know they're well, the immoral ones. I, I,
1: hope, I hope I explained it a bit a bit more clearly than that um in that I don't expect people to to do that I would just like it when people drift further and further from reality that 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 they draw their lines and they say right well actually you know I've I've actually created a manipulation here let's not start saying you know, if, I, well, if, implying that the the image is real. Let's just say, well, you know, this this is my interpretation of the view from wherever.
2: Mm-hmm. And are you like, suggesting think that, that that come along with the photo everywhere it goes? Every time they post it, they put that up and they hang it on the wall. There's a little plaque there <laughs> that says that. And everywhere it goes, the first thing someone needs to know about this is not the story. Let's Let's leave the story for a minute and let's just talk about how it was made. Because to me, that puts the wrong
1: foot forward. It's always easy to reduce arguments to the point that they become a farce and then laugh at them.
2: No, but, it, but um, s- s- uh, that question stands. What, what are you asking yeah, so, for? So, so the, quest-
1: the, que- the question is, y- you know, you're, you're saying I want some level of absolutism and I want somebody to put a tag on the image everywhere mm-hmm. it goes. I don't. But actually, there's, there's no effort there at all. There's, there's no intent to educate the public that the images are manipulations. That, that doesn't happen. Well, in I some mean, cases, if, if it, it does.
2: Sure, I talk, see people every well, day saying, I put this thing together, thought it was fun, hope you like it. I see yeah, it all the time. Okay,
1: okay, okay, but I mean, they're talking to um, photographers generally. Well, what are you talking um, and, about and most... then?
2: Can you define for me what you would like to see? <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I, I would just Social like media to see posts? what are, are we
2: talking about?
1: <laughs> I, I Yeah, any, any medium, I would like to see increased openness. I think there's almost um, complete... Closedness. Um, now there are some exceptions. There are people who are very open about what they do. There are people who, on their websites, um, express the fact that they edit in particular ways, or they're known for their editing style, and they create tutorials that are very open about it. And I totally appreciate that. There's a lot of people who don't, and I'm not, and I'm not leveling that criticism at you, and I'm, I'm really not. But there's there's some people who. Everywhere they post, post in the same manner that I would, i.e. presenting my photographs as real, and I believe they are. But they're they're not there to um, educate the public that the public's naive. They're there to get the public enthused, whether it's photographers or the public at large, about their images. And a big part of that, whether they're choosing it specifically or not, is that people believe those photographs are real places? I mean, you see, you, you just need to read the comments. You know, I mean, sure, people say amazing shot, but they also say wow, incredible sunset, amazing view. They really appreciate those aspects of images. And the,
2: and the problems with everything that you've just said is that you've you've set up a, a system whereby there have to be parameters, and anyone working outside those parameters needs to wear that badge of being outside the parameters and who's to say where those are and what level of manipulation needs to go into something before that disclose
1: certainly certainly not me erin um but but as i said that there's no there's no intent there to to create this open uh presentation of images because at all. Because the assumption and, and then you're, that you're, you're working
2: know, you're... off of is that there's a right and there's a wrong and that there is a line. And so if they're, they have to make this presentation because there is a line and they need, we need to know whether they're over it or not. Right?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, obviously I would like to see an apple <laughs> called an apple and an orange. There called
2: we an are. Orange. And I mean, that's what I'm that. saying is that you'll never get people to agree, which is the apple and which is the orange. There was a really clever blog article that came out a couple of years ago, where a guy put um, a little spoof on a, a nutrition label. And it was showing in percentages, all of the different Photoshop techniques that went into the image, everything from, you know, just exposure blending to focus stacking and the percentage that was involved. And yes, that's farcical. But I mean, the idea is, is an old one is that nobody's going to agree. And as Guy Tall pointed out in his article, the goalposts keep moving anyway. Even when people think they've agreed for themselves, they don't.
0: I want to I move us on to um, some of the listener questions. I don't want to cut you guys off because this has been awesome, but there's a lot of really great <laughs> listener questions that might help kind of direct the conversation a little bit. Um, and uh, the first one I wanted to ask is from Mark Hespen Heidi. Um, and I think it kind of touches on what we've been talking about, but a little bit more focused. And that is, this question is, assuming that there is a point at which photography transitions into digital art, where would you put that transition? If there's no semantic negative connotation to digital art, why are people so reluctant to be open about extensive manipulation? And why are people proud of their Photoshop skills, but evasive about manipulations to specific images? Well, there are a lot of
2: assumptions in there that I don't agree with. (laughs) And I think I've already answered a lot of those. The reason that people don't put factor or the creation of the image forward as the first thing that's of importance is because they don't believe that's the first thing of importance. And they want people to enjoy the image for what it has to say at face value, first and foremost.
0: Fair enough.
1: Alex? Alex? Yeah, I mean specifically, they don't think it has any importance at all, right? Um, I, I think that's the key point. Otherwise, it would at least be mentioned in in some places. I mean, you, you even get photographers on the, on their websites. Do I use Photoshop? Yes, I do, but only to the you know bring out the reality of the scene and all this kind of stuff, all, all leading to this idea that the uh, that the images are straight. So there's a lot of misleading stuff uh, going on, and I think that is the um, the essence of of where that comment has come from. Um, and I sympathize with it entirely. Well,
2: I, I think it's very accusatory, this idea. That there were a couple of words in there that were based on some pretty strong language there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, basically, people want to be able to put their uh, stories about whatever it is that they have to say. You know, maybe it's something really tragic, maybe something really happy, but whatever it is, that that should people should be allowed to put that forward first ahead of, oh, and by the way, let me just take you out of my... Uh, this little um fiction that i'm constructing for a moment and let you see behind the the you know the curtain at the that this none of this is real and that there's a little wizard back here working and are you gonna like it as much now oh where'd you go you lost interest you know
1: i i I completely (laughs) agree Aaron. i completely agree with you
2: so i just i just feel that that's that's antithetical to the whole purpose of art is to rob it of its power by putting an emphasis on how it was made rather than what it is trying to say or accomplish
0: i I think it's an interesting idea though like I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't know if many other art forms, except for maybe music, where um, where where people are reluctant to share like their techniques, or um, like there's a negative connotation to certain aspects of how how that art was created. And I think there's some underlying. Um, you know, motives and/or expectation, like on social media or whatever, that are behind people's uh, reluctance to actually be. Actually, most people love talking about post-processing, and if you
2: start asking them, and that's the subject, and they're talking about that, they'll talk to your your, your ear off all day about what they know about it and what they like to do and what they did to an image. But when they're presenting their image, they don't want it to be about that. And it's not necessarily I mean, I know you guys have this evil view of the world that all these landscape photographers out are out there to get you and to bring down reality I, I know, and you I know,
1: know. <laughs> I think you. I think you can give us a bit more well, credit. Well, that, uh, that's on. that's
2: the the line that I keep hearing from you guys is very negative. That you feel, oh, there's all these people and they're all doing oh no, really? It's out there. There's so much of it. And maybe I I am the naive one. And I and I but in, for the most part, I I don't see so much of that. For sure, there are some people and I've seen them get called out hard on doing something that's flat out lying. And you know, and that's that's there for sure. And then there are some things where it's like eh, okay. It didn't really look like that, did it? Because there's no way that you can have a pink sky and a sun above the horizon at the same time or whatever it is. And just run with it. I mean, do we really care? I don't, personally. I just want to enjoy the image for what it is. And it's not so important to me that how it was made, I I really, I don't care. Except it's, when in the case of like photojournalism, I care a lot.
1: But that just comes down to us valuing photographs for different reasons, Erin. I mean, sure, I, I, I can appreciate photographs for the ideas that they express, although, you know, it's difficult to achieve that, particularly with grand landscape images. Um, but certainly, some images do have that effect. Some of them have a strong emotional impact, and I can enjoy images for that reason. But I also just love enjoying them to marvel at beautiful locations. And let's be honest, um, a lot of uh, what would be considered popular landscape photography is less about the idea. And it's more about creating beautiful aesthetic art. It doesn't need to be uh, incredibly expressive all the time. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying a photograph because it's beautiful and because it represents the natural world in a natural way.
2: Here, hear. But that doesn't also doesn't mean that it's a mirror of the world.
1: No, I'm... I'm not suggesting that a photograph is a mirror of the world.
2: It can it can be beautiful and all the things you just said, an evocation of the natural world, a celebration of nature, without having to be, you know, something that was produced only in Lightroom with the minimal processing.
0: Agreed. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on to another listener question. So and I, this one's kind of I'm teeing you up a little bit here, Aaron. But uh, Candy Watson uh, asks. Um, If we consider landscape photography as an art form, which sounds like we all do, uh, do we need boundaries that define it? And if we are going to impose such boundaries, who gets to decide what those boundaries are? Where do we draw that line? And what is considered an acceptable amount of post-processing? I think I know how you're going to answer, but... (laughs) Well, actually, I'd
2: like to answer that by going and looking at some other genres and just kind of opening this up and taking kind of a broader view of things. Um, there was recently, a, an, I think it was in Australia, it was a photography competition, the Olive Cotton Award for Portraiture. And uh, the winning portrait, which won $20,000, was a cameraless um, creation. It was just some photogenic paper where the photographer had taken some spit from her grandmother and had scribbled it all over the paper and it was a portrait of her grandmother as she presented it she won won the award and there was a huge uproar because it was supposedly not really a photograph. And there was this great argument over, is that a photograph or is not that not a photograph? And um, one of the judges of the competition pointed out the cameraless photography is actually at its very beginnings. So you have, you know, the idea of, of the photogram where you'd put down a piece of photosensitive paper yeah. and you'd put some stuff on it and maybe that stuff would move around a little bit, but you'd stick it out there for <laughs> 10 hours or whatever. And eventually you have this image and no camera involved whatsoever. Is that a photograph? Um, Um, On the other end of things, you know, let's look at painting. Um, In the 1960s, Clement Greenberg tried to come up with a really pure idea of what painting is, and he just ruled out anything that was representational, because anything that's representational is trying to describe something else that's out there, and in that way, it's only kind of a souvenir at best, uh, Mm -hmm. and also ran. Um, And pure painting is really just about color and form and texture, and so, of course, he was promoting abstract expressionism, and that was what he was all about, and so that was his definition, that this is an absolutely higher form. Form and the purest form of painting. So if we're going to get around to trying to put a label on photography and decide what's the purest form of it, good luck. <laughs> um, if we go all the way back to its beginnings, there's, there's nothing that really corresponds to anything that we've got now. And now that we've moved into this digital era, it's getting even more complicated. We've got photographs that move, you know, these like little oh, ones yeah. that have a little moving gift bit the, in them. The a and-
1: photograph <laughs> Yeah, I think you'd be chasing a vanishing horizon if you tried to do something like
2: that. Yeah, and and eventually, you know, cameras beca- are becoming more and more capable of doing things. It was absolute anathema just maybe eight years ago to use HDR of any sort in a photograph, and now cameras have it in you know in-camera HDR, and this is the whole thing about the goalpost changing and. You know, it's and pretty soon we're not going to even have cameras anymore. You know what's going to happen is it's going to be some satellite over the planet Earth that can somehow record light (laughs) beaming off of the planet. You won't even have to climb the mountain anymore. You won't even have to use a camera. You can just sit at your desk and record that beaming light from anywhere at any time. Mark my words, that's going to happen. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so I just feel that the whole project of trying to come up with this pure definition of any medium is at best temporary yeah and i don't think it really solves anything
1: i'll I'll take temporary Aaron. though um i I don't think we can hope to uh solve solve a problem for all futures uh that's that's maybe a bit too ambitious even for me
0: (laughs) i love it um okay um i'm gonna i'm gonna have aaron answer this question first again um Jason Chong asks, um, how much of the angst towards unbounded digital manipulation in landscape photography is amplified by business suffering? For example, either your work not being spotlighted on social media platform or your style not being as popular as someone else's that is more manipulated. <laughs> how much of the angst
2: has to do with competition? Well, I I reckon quite a lot, and that's unfortunate because, as I said, I don't see Um, art making and competition being at all in the same um, room. (laughs) They're two different things and uh, one shouldn't affect the other. Uh, It's true that business, the art, the uh, the business of art can be affected by competition, but that's separate from the actual art making itself. And the the greatest, you know, um, movements of art in all time um, didn't move forward because someone was um, trying to make sure that he was like playing on a level playing field i don't want to upset you know the guy next door because you know that would be bad competition i mean can can you imagine that we wouldn't have (laughs) any of the big you know progressive movements and art ever if everyone kind of thought that way
0: yeah and alex
1: uh yeah i mean firstly that whole progressive term um let's let's not uh think of Stretching mountains and photoshopping in sunsets as progressive—I'm not sure that any of us would would consider it that way. Um, I do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Go okay, ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think I think competition is is a big part of it. I mean, Erin's uh, ideas are, are interesting in that respect because she talks about the two being separate. Um, I I would kind of dread trying to um, hold the values that I do. Uh, and I consider them to be artistic values, you know, with, with regard to reality and photography, I, I do consider them to be artistic values in themselves. I would hate to be holding those views and uh, exist on on the west coast of the US as, as a professional photographer right now, because I, I don't think that the sympathies that my views have over here in the UK have quite the same sympathies over in the U.S. at least that's my impression. I think my position would be considerably worse. Um, And the important point is that if you have um, people making a success from landscape photography, well, how are they doing it? Well, you might be able to make a a name um, for yourself and then sell some prints. You might be able to make a name for yourself and then get some commissions. You might be able to make a name for yourself and sell some workshops, but you need to make a name for yourself. And um, how you go about doing that has changed considerably with the advent of social media. Social media is the primary way of making a name for yourself. And if you want to do that now, it's very difficult to compete with people who are able to output images that are geared towards social media, more impactful, more images, because you can polish an image that, that isn't as strong into something that is. Um, and it, it, would, it would just be a nightmare. So it's, the problem is not actually necessarily that um, people, um, photo editing uh, runs people out of business. It's that the people don't get into business in the first place.
0: Well, okay.
2: <laughs> I, I, again, um, that's the business of art. And there are a lot of people who aren't business people, but they happen to be on social media. They're, they're not trying to make a buck one way or the other. Sure. They just want to make art and get it out there. And so, you know, once you start trying to draw lines between all of that, again, it gets, becomes impossible. Right.
1: But I mean, I, mean I, I think you're aware of the history of art and, and it hasn't changed in the sense that if you're not paid to do your art, it's difficult to put your time into your art and therefore it's difficult to create really meaningful work. I mean, much of the best photography out there is achieved by professional photographers, not because they're intrinsically more talented, but because they have the finances and the time to deliver the results. Um, so it's it's a little bit simplistic, I think, to, to suggest that people are still free to create art and that it's a separate issue. I, I really don't see it that way. I, I think that great art is often created through professional means.
2: There have always been the the gatekeepers of the arts uh, in this, but even in photography now it's social media before it used to be publishing. And there were always things that people could do to cater to those gatekeepers. Um, and, and, The other point that I would like to make is that, so nothing's really different. I don't think that social media has really changed everything. And now that we have social media, we all need to play by some rules. Otherwise, we're all doomed. I mean, the other thing is that actually, I do think that because photography has become so accessible in this day and age, that actually some of the people making some of the more interesting and accomplished photographs are not professionals, or do only a, only dabble a bit in professionalism? Uh, so I can think of some some really first rate photographers who have no interest whatsoever in, in being professional, and they're excellent. Um, but it's true that that anyone who can do it more often does tend to to get further with it. Um, I'm actually not a really big social media person, and I am a full time landscape photographer. So I, to me, I don't see. Social media is really um, the hugely important realm for me. That's actually not where I have my biggest reach. It's through my articles and my talks and my website and the PhotoCascadia website. So, by you know, I guess I'm just not very receptive to that idea I can't, that I can't, we need. I can't, to-
1: I, can't, I can't speak for other people, Erin, but <laughs> social media yeah. is certainly how I found out about you um, some time ago before you were writing lots of articles. Um, and, and I enjoyed your images and uh, that's how I came to to follow you. Um, uh, I'm not I'm not saying none of these arguments are absolutist in the sense that there mm-hmm. is absolutely no other way to get noticed. But I do think that um, you need uh, a viewership and a market of some kind to turn professional and that social media is certainly the most accessible way of doing that, yeah, that and the most sure. feasible.
2: But are you also saying that you think that uh, that should in some way govern artistic output?
1: Uh, no, I'm saying that practically it does. I, I, I mean, I precisely think that it shouldn't govern our artistic output and I believe that it does. That's, well, then that should right. extend
2: to what people do with their photography. It shouldn't govern that sort of output, is what I mean. You're, you're, you shouldn't have limits on what you can do creatively, simply because you need to play by the rules so that we can all have a fair a level playing field on social media.
0: Well, I
1: don't think there's any rules.
0: I think it's more of trying to cater to a trend.
1: Exactly. I mean, if you look, if you look at social media there are trends that course through it and people who ride those trends their work is successful and those those trends are so prevalent as to almost drown out the other work I mean you talk about um, people in in the states and of course there will be people in the states producing work on their own free from social media um, experimenting and creative creating genuinely original art but where are they? I don't have exposure to them and they don't have exposure to me because they are not doing as well as other groups are on social media. I mean, that's that's the nature of populist imagery. So I, so I do see it as a harmful thing to the art in general.
2: Well, I mean, but populism is, has always been there and always will be in every medium. And social media happens to be where you can find it because, as I said earlier, it's aimed at everyone you know it sure, is I, that popular platform
1: for I everyone i wasn't proposing that we are in uh-huh. some sort of unique situation where populism okay. now applies. but you are proposing everything.
2: that because we have this now we need some playing role some some guidelines to play by because we have social media that that means that we we all need to sort of agree to some stuff
1: well, yeah, I mean, I would love for realistic photographs to be regarded as realistic photographs and photo manipulations to be regarded as photo manipulations. And there's very does, little attempt that
2: would to... serve you very well, <laughs> but it doesn't serve everyone very well because well, it some. certainly
1: people... doesn't serve their photo manipulators very well because the public doesn't value Aaron, it. Aaron,
0: you just nailed it, and that's the point that I wanted to make. And that is that I think behind um, populism, is some sort of motivation behind something right like either people want to be noticed or they want to be successful or they want to have uh they have a financial gain to be had from following a trend not always like you said there's people out there that you know they they just want to download someone's tutorial they really love the way those images look and they want to you know use that and have fun with it i understand that's a, a broad generalization but i think that there is an undercurrent behind this populism of creating kind of fantastical landscapes that um, that is driven by wanting to be noticed and be successful.
2: So, I, I, if I'm hearing you right, is what you're saying is there are some right and wrong reasons for people to do manipulation, and the wrong wow, reasons? I'm are not the saying that's reasons. a wrong reason.
0: Uh-huh. I don't think it's a wrong reason. I'm saying that is a reason people do it.
2: By, by, I'm sure I don't doubt that at all, that there are lots of people who really, that's all they care about. In fact, I know, um I think it was Dylan Toe, I don't want to throw out a name if I'm wrong, but it, um, I think he actually just said, Hey, that's me. All I really want to do is have fun and gain a lot of populars because uh, a, yeah. a lot of followers, because I think that's really fun. And he's a doctor, and he doesn't, you know, need it right, for anything else. He's just having a good time being popular. Um, more power to him. I have nothing. I have no problem with anybody wants to do that. Or if anybody who is making gazillions of dollars with their 3 million followers on Instagram, because they're just churning out the same old pictures of Troll Tunga stretched to the limits every day. <laughs> have at it, man. I mean, that's people are just having fun making money doing whatever it is. I that has no effect on what It is uh, sort of quantitatively that's allowed or that needs to be disclosed or this discourse and these boundaries that we need to construct in order to control it all. You can't control art. And I don't think that you should. And I think it's unhealthy to put that idea out there that there needs to be some kind of limits on it. And we need to tell people that don't cross that line. Be creative, but not too creative.
0: Well, I mean, and I don't want to speak for Alex, but me personally, I, I, I don't want to put any boundaries on art or photography at all. I, d- I don't think that's at all what I'm trying to say. It personally, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you have to say, Alex?
1: Well, I mean, I think Erin's uh, talking about boundaries in the sense of putting labels on things. Yes. Um, I don't, I don't see that as a boundary myself, um, but that you know, that's, that's a matter of opinion. I, I think, you know, the idea that I want to enforce these things on people, I, I, I don't really want that, nor do I expect it. I'd love to see people make a more progressive move towards being open to their work. I think the public that I know would appreciate that. Um, and certainly I would appreciate that because I feel like my photographs are questioned on the same basis as everybody else's. And, and in part, that's down to what other people are doing to their images, not myself.
0: Well, I think there is uh, a there is an interesting, um, I guess, I don't want to say cultural divide between what what is kind of mainstream uh, thought process and processing in the United States versus, say, Europe. I think there is a a big difference there, and I think some of that drives some of our differences of opinion, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't I can't remember the exact quote. But um, before I left my job as an engineer, I, I asked one of my um, colleagues what he thought of a few ph- photo manipulations. And his response was pretty telling. I mean, just as a member of the general public, I mean, he he actually started swearing when he, he found out just what had gone on to these images, because he would believed them before and he felt cheated. And, uh, and, sure, we can talk about educating a naive public, but he wanted to believe those photos. Um, and and as I've said multiple times on this podcast, I think that's something that certainly I value and that I wish other photographers would value too.
2: So let me just ask this. So here's a guy who mm. saw your picture and made, I'm assuming he was really enjoying it. And then you ruined mm. it by telling him how it was made all because of some set of expectations. Isn't it better if people just can enjoy an image? Why do we have to then go and ruin it?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I think the reason the response was telling was because he was enjoying it because of his expectations, not in spite of them.
2: It doesn't matter. He was enjoying your image. You know, you created well, something well,
1: that you no, enjoyed. Well, no, it does, because if you take away these expectations, then he wouldn't enjoy it in the same way as he did.
0: Which I think is not... I mean, I think that's the rub here, right? I mean, I think different people, uh, everyone enjoys, um, art and specifically landscape photography are for different reasons, right? Like, I think what Alex is saying is that he, the, what he appreciates about certain styles of landscape photography is their ability to transport you to a place and be a representation of reality. And I think what Aaron is saying, uh, is that, um, other people, Uh, their um, expectation is not rooted in, in those values. And I think, and I don't, I don't think you, either of you are right or wrong. I think that's like, that's reality. Like people have different.
1: I completely disagree. Erin is definitely wrong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, uh, you're right, Matt. That's what I believe is that there are certain people who really want to put imagination first and there, and there are definitely people who are, are terrified of anything that's not real. Um, and that goes all the way back to Plato. In his Republic, he he des- he described the ideal state, and he outlawed all imitation. Nothing should be fake in the ideal state, and that included mirrors because mirrors were just a reflection of reality. They weren't actually real. The only thing that really mattered was uh, the ultimate reality in the world of ideas. Which ironically, I think is where art really shines when <laughs> it gets into the world of ideas but but yeah people are are they they find comfort a lot of people and stuff that 's predictable um, you know, and I think that's also why a lot of people these days are actually attracted to photography because you, it so it is so mechanical and predictable. you set certain settings, you get that exposure triangle right, and guess what it's the same on every setting though know, so long as you make the right adjustments all the way across there 's all these wonderful predictable things about it. Um, and anything that's, that's pure art tends to get kind of scary. People end up cutting their ears off and stuff, you know, it's chaos. (laughs) Um,
0: well, God, you guys like this has been, uh, such an awesome discussion. I don't think anyone came away bleeding or with their feelings hurt. I think it has been a very productive discussion, We've gotten some great uh, perspectives from all aspects of this particular topic. And uh, I just wanted to thank you both for being brave enough to actually sit down and have a cordial conversation about this sticky topic.
2: We're all of This is our third round. <laughs>
0: <Thank
1: you>. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was good. I mean, as, as I said earlier, it, it's great actually to have this discussion with Aaron because I mean, people get so upset because, you know, I'm accusing them of cheesy and so on. And I think it's really productive to have a discussion like this. So thank you, Erin.
2: Great. It's always been a pleasure to have discussions with you, Alex.
0: You guys are awesome. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Whew. Now that's how you have a conversation about a controversial topic. Maybe there's hope in this world after all. Thanks to both Alex and Aaron for taking the time to visit with us on the podcast and to just stick their necks out to have a great conversation about a sensitive subject. I really appreciate that. Um, you can find out more about both Alex and Aaron by visiting the liner notes on my blog at Uh Thanks to everyone who has written a review about the podcast over on iTunes. Um, Believe it or not, it really does help people discover the podcast. Plus, when you leave a five-star review, I thank you on the show. Wink, wink. Um, You know, I bust my ass every week to bring this show to you guys, and I am so thankful for the generous support I've received over on Patreon. You too can support the show by visiting patreon.com slash listen. This week, the bonus episode with Aaron and Alex is all about an emerging topic in landscape photography, serial workshop attendees, and authenticity in the presentation of work that is produced on those workshops. It was a great conversation, and I think you will enjoy it. Thanks to our newest patron, Ryan Funker, you the man. Uh, if you want to drop me a line about the podcast, I love hearing from you guys, uh, suggestions, ideas, um, anything, really, I'm open. Uh, reach out to me uh, via my website at mattpainphotography.com or you can reach out to me or follow me on the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Matt Payne Photo, Matt Payne Photography. Thanks for listening.